Oh God. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Came from San Francisco. The beat walks something completely different there. <laughs> That's just a time saver. <laughs> you know, sometimes you got to get somewhere fast. Yeah. Uh, oh, I got I got Sparkle Buddy all over my notes, and we can't go back in time this week. Damn, we mm-hmm. lost our powers. Philip, what what's your beverage? I didn't see. You said it's mango. Oh, I've got a uh, yeah. I got a mango white claw right now. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Do you have, do you have a backup claw? A backup buddy? Oh yeah, sure do. Sitting right next to me excellent smart you understand how to podcast oh yeah you guys are popping my podcast cherry this is my first time ever on uh, a podcast (laughs) well speaking of things that haven't been thought through welcome back to cage match colon a roundabout way of meeting nicholas cage i'm sean here with my co-host nick and our producer peter hello and our special guest who will now be introduced by nick uh his name is philip (laughs) this is philip he's my younger brother and uh how much younger Four years. Four years. What was it like being four years younger than Peter? Uh, I could make up some crap that, you know, he was like a horrible brother, but actually it was cool. He would let me hang out with his uh, like high school friends and stuff. And they were they were pretty chill, like letting me watch them play video games. And they only threw a few, you know, glasses at me here and there. So I, I say it was, it was good. I got out pretty unscathed, all things considered. We got we got really drunk one time and we just started smacking each other in the face and like gleefully laughing and running around our kitchen. It was a pretty good time. That's like a, that's a core memory for me. <laughs> Did he show you your first boob? That's a good older brother. Ooh, I don't think so. I, I couldn't tell you when, when I saw my first boob, but uh, I don't know. I mean, Peter, I, I would love to give you that honor, but uh, I think yeah. I was doing my own research. <laughs> when did you see your first boob, Nick? God, my brother and I were about, 10 or 11 i think when we found my dad's pornos Mm. and that's also when we found the phone numbers in the back of the pornos (laughs) and that's how you lost a bunch of money yeah yeah my brother and i had to pay back a a lot of phone bill (laughs) the ones that had like real people that would answer were always the funniest because like somebody would answer and we'd be like oh fuck it's not a recording okay Sound like an adult. Sound like an adult. <laughs> that that was hey. the content I wanted. Well, well, let me see your boobs. We love breasts. This is a phone, child. Hang up. <laughs> I mean, you are now a 38-year-old man. Yeah. Who doesn't understand that this is an audio format and you're constantly doing, like, close-up magic. It doesn't change. Yeah, my close-up magic is on, on fleek these days. I mean, there's no way to prove one way or the other to these people. It's true. Well, now that we've alienated our female audience, that's pretty good. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe drop down in the comments, ladies, yeah. and tell me about the first boob you ever saw. <sighs> so start on this podcast, we uh, talk about boobs as well as review 64 Nicolas Cage movies in a head-to-head style competition, and we will inevitably whittle this down to the final best Nick Cage film. Uh, what seeds are these, Peter? These are so Conair is a four seed and Rage is a 13 seed. We are talking about Conair and Rage today. We're good at this. And this is the serious guy bracket. Or wait, no, tough guy. This is pretty tough. Yeah, this yeah. is tough guy. Oh, I, I figured it was the Alabama guy category. Look at me with egg on my face. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's Irish in the in Rage, isn't he? Yeah, but it was filmed in Mobile, Alabama. Oh, that's that's true. Uh, that's an interesting connection. Yeah. yeah, I didn't really think about that when I was watching Rage, but I didn't think about it a lot because I was just so busy being angry. Yeah, angry for the stealing of his daughters. 
Yeah, I think I can boil it down for you guys uh, real quick. Um, basically, uh, first of all, if you're going to do crime, you need a cool crime jacket, as we've spoken about yes. before. Yep. And then on top of that, guns are cool. Alcohol is not cool. Uh, teenagers are stupid. And yeah, I think that uh, sums it up, right? Strike this man from the podcast. Alcohol is indeed cool. Yeah, <laughs> alcohol is cool. Guns not cool because knives are quieter. Nick That's Cage true. established that. He is a knife guy. Yeah. He's a knife guy. But not a nice guy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, don't drink and play with guns. That's a really good lesson, though. Spoiler. We're re- we're re- I don't think that should be spoiling anything for anybody. Anybody <laughs> who's considering handgun ownership should probably know. No don't drink and gun. <laughs> I mean, statistics in this country would say a lot of people do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is getting into a serious topic here. Nah, yeah. we're not going to do that. Let's make it dumb again. Yeah. We have the brief. Don't play with guns. Give us give us the why. Yeah. Yeah, I can walk you guys through it. Um, Yeah. So basically he uh, Nick Cage is playing uh, Paul and Paul is a former criminal. He's been tied to the Irish mob and uh, he has this crew that he works with, um, but they're all retired. And now he's uh, he's become a, you know, straight up standing uh member of society and i think within the first two minutes of the movie he says that uh he kind of gets you his blue collar bona fides like six times he's like yeah i used to swing hammer all day long and blah 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 and so now he's in the construction business uh he's left his swinging hammer days behind him to be kind of a businessman uh working with the mayor and stuff he's he's a big wig uh no longer a criminal he's got a nice family a daughter uh who's i think she's like 16 or 17 or something like that and uh yeah 17 seems right because they were talking about next year for the sats that's right that's right and he also says that at the end of the movie he's talking about how oh i was her age when they first gave me my my first knife blah 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 um (laughs) yeah so basically like something crazy happens there's a break in to his house while he's out to uh, a very generic dinner with his wife and all these people that are connected to some construction project that he's working on uh they try to figure out who's kidnapped his daughter he has to kind of interrogate um his uh his daughter's boyfriend. I feel like I'm missing a lot of steps here, guys. Uh, we'll I mean, get, this is a we'll very detailed <laughs> movie. And, you know. Everything you miss, we'll just cut in later. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, he uh, he goes and interrogates the uh, the the boyfriend and it basically tells him this this just off the handle story about how he's like, yeah, I used to go and, and I, one time I beat up this Puerto Rican dude because he called my wife a slut and blah, blah, blah. And well, anyway, you should have, I would expect you to step in front of a gun uh, and block a bullet for my daughter. He's telling this to a 17 year old kid who's you know terrified out of his mind. So he uh, decides to go and call on his old, you know, crime buddies, uh, Kane and uh, Danny. After getting out his old crime jacket. Yeah. After getting out his old, his old crime jacket, exactly. So he, uh, they all get together and they start cracking skulls. I think um, Danny and Kane decide that the best approach to figuring out who kidnapped the daughter is to just go harass two uh, drug addicts and like try and choke one by tying a rope around her neck and throwing a cinder block out the window because nobody in this movie understands how physics work so it's just like yeah sure that, that, yeah. that that'll happen that'll pull her out the window of course a that was a single real long block. rope too and they were only on the second floor yeah yeah i mean it it certainly could have like broke her neck the way he just kind of tossed it out yeah. but that's not how we played this but he did do that cool like shoot the rope off 
the windowsill uh, when he like let her go. And then he was walking away and he was all like, oh, I can't believe that actually worked. And Danny was like, what, you've never done that before? It's like, no, never. Awesome. <laughs> I did really like uh, Kane. Kane. Yeah. I mean, he was an idiot, but <laughs> he was he was just like the easiest going thug criminal guy. Well, so throughout the film and we first see it when the crime jacket is donned a cut to a different crime. Like for the life of me, I couldn't figure out who was supposed to be who in this flashback. Oh my God. Because <laughs> even though uh, one guy had the crime jacket, it was the biggest fattest guy. Hey, that's rude. <laughs> that's Nick Cage's son, sir. Is it? Oh. That was Kal-El. Yeah. Uh, whatever his name is. He's in another one of the movies. All right. uh, huh. Nick Cage's we movies. Need, we need Weston to... Cage. Yeah, Weston Cage. Okay. That's his name. We need to we need a uh, we need to quack that because we want Nick Cage on here eventually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Quit being mean to his kid. His he, fat kid. <laughs> he expects you to take a bullet for his kid, you son of a bitch. The only child I mean to is Finn Wolfhart. Yeah, that kid sucks. Go back to episode two to find out why. I mean, I think they can probably figure it out. They've seen his face. Yeah. <laughs> um, but just the the one person who looks the least like they could be Nick Cage in this film plays a young Nick Cage. <laughs> Which is really ironic because it is a relation. Yeah. Yeah. I but mean, it's like it's this big it's he's a big stocky dude and yeah. like he's about a head taller than the other two guys in the crew, which Nicolas Cage is not. Yeah, it was an interesting casting choice. I mean, I assume just because they're related, it was chosen. It was good, though. I mean, he had the crime jacket on. That's how I knew it was supposed to be. It's crime Nick, time. Yeah. Nick Cage in the flashback. Don but, the jacket, uh, but yeah, time. they they like beat this dude up and like throw the driver out and they take this car. And then later, you know, we see them trying to like cut this. uh handcuffed suitcase off of the hand of the dude that's in the back and they're like oh i can't do it so they just cut his hand off these are bad criminals yeah i mean they were kids uh probably just jacking their first drop off oh uh, whatever they stole a bunch of money is how it really like boils down yeah. they stole a bunch of money from that's probably russian mobsters how he you know funded his clean life and i watched the movie twice once today both times at the end of it i was just like what just happened? <laughs> yeah, Phil, how many times did you end up watching these? I watched this motherfucker twice, and I'm not super happy about it. Uh, Con Air was, was great on the second watch, uh, but yeah, Rage, man, uh, it was a slog getting through both times. Uh, I kind of jumped around because you guys had primed me for how much it sucked shit, and <laughs> I basically hey. watched the beginning, and I watched the last, like, 30 or 20 minutes and that was about it uh, you missed all the best parts mm, tell yeah. me more <laughs> yeah so what happened next philip well yeah all right so where were we we were talking about how uh crime jack crime time crime time yep start rousting people what happens after the rousting? Wait, is, this, then? <laughs> is this after the daughter is dead oh uh, well, yeah we find out the daughter's dead yeah it doesn't take too long before they're like oh yeah that chick is dead oh also the detective on this case danny glover yeah, Detective St. John. All right. So, uh, yeah, they uh, they go rough people up. There's we have that flashback about when they were kids and they killed the Russian mobster crime. And then uh, they start figuring out uh, we have a little scene between Kane and Danny where they're trying to say, like, OK, well, we were the only three people there at the scene who killed those that Russian mobster. So, like, crime. One of us had to be the snitch, right? But like, I know we didn't talk. So the whole question becomes for the rest of the movie, you know, who uh, who killed Caitlin and who snitched that uh, that then like led the 
you know, ostensibly the Russians to kill her. They think it's the Russians because uh, friends, the forensics comes back or the ballistics comes back rather. And she was shot with a uh, Tokarov. Tokarov, exactly. Which was the original name for this movie. No, oh, was it? Yeah. yeah. Mm. You can sp- find a bunch of uh, posters of like Tokarov. Yeah, episode zero. Weird. I was really puzzled by that. I didn't do any deep diving into why it was named that. So I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Makes sense, I guess. But that's a dumb name. Yeah. But Rage is a dumber name. Yeah. Yeah, they should have just named it Crime. <laughs> but Crime in a way that you understand that you're saying it Crime. Yeah. Crime. That's a, that's a font choice thing, right? Yeah. yeah. And ellipses in front of it. Just dot, dot, dot. Crime. Crime time. <laughs> this is quickly becoming crying time. Um, <laughs> sorry, I started this. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we know the daughter's dead. And they've been they find the daughter on the, in on a, the hunt. They find the daughter in a creek about two blocks away from their house. And it yeah. takes them a few days. I was going to say, what was she wearing? What was she wearing? I don't know. I, I skipped this part of the movie. <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, I don't I don't know if they talk about it. I think she was just wearing whatever she had on uh, when we saw her in the, the house scene at the beginning of the movie. So, like, mm. you know, whatever that was when she was hanging out with her friends. That tracks. I mean, I was just going to say, like, <laughs> depending on what she was wearing, she could have been asking for it. It could not have been a crime. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Look, sometimes I go outside and I'm wearing something. I'm like, well, you know, if I got shot in the head and dumped in a creek today, uh, <laughs> that'd be my fault. Look it. at what I'm wearing. <laughs> Just asking for it. I mean, you do have that shirt that says, please shoot me in the head and dump me in a creek. Yeah, that was a gift. <laughs> Off of it a would body? Be, it would be rude not to wear it then. <laughs> Weird yeah. that it was a gift from your grandmother. Uh, yeah, well, you know, she's getting old. So I don't think she got the font, the font <laughs> choice. It was all in old English. <laughs> You guys want some more of that sweet, sweet, fascinating <laughs> yeah. plot? All right. Keep going. Yeah, lay it on me. So uh, they decide that uh, they need to get the attention of the Russians, um, you know, because obviously if the Russians did it, they're going to have to get them to meet up or, or, you know, reveal themselves. So they go to some random, uh, you know, like poker backroom poker game where the Russians are hanging out and they just start beating everybody up there. But I mean, it is the saddest, slowest most old man fight oh yeah so i do love this scene though because they have to like argue with the guy at the door to get in punch him through the door just run in start just decking people as his uh, as his crew is just beating up all these russians nick cage just saunters over to the poker table with a handful of cash throws it on the table leans over whispers something in the guy's ear as a fight is happening and that's when the guys at the table decide to get involved. Yeah, it was very weird. And he never recovered that money. It was like thousands of dollars yeah. in like 50s. Well, he was going to use that as, that money to pay his boys and they didn't want it. So it's still money. Yeah, right. Like that's <laughs> I, still you can transact I mean, I, that. <laughs> I'm not arguing with you that that was his reasoning, but it's like that's dumb. He's a dumb, dumb businessman. No wonder he fucking failed at being a criminal, giving all this money away. This is also the first time we see his knife skills. So oh, he yeah. is like all pro knife. Like he's not he doesn't know bang bang. He prefers the knives. Yeah, he prefers the knives because they're quiet. Um, And we get our first kind of look at it. We get a better look at it later. But this thing looks like it came out of a spirit Halloween. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. this is like a mall knife. Yeah, like, he's a fucking <laughs> mall ninja. And it's huge. It's stupid. And it, that the handle is like engraved with faces he comes in stabbing and then immediately sheathes it, too. And it's like, dude, that's all going to dry in there. And then your knife's going to get stuck. 
come on be a better criminal i wrote down for this scene that uh get paul some sharper knives because it's just that ridiculous part where he's slicing the guy's wrist over and over again and for some reason he thinks that's a viable combat tactic uh well we've even talked in other movies it's like he went across the street you gotta go like down the block or whatever that's right he's cutting the wrong direction yeah it was kind of like death by a thousand cuts. Like he just kept cutting that guy's wrist and it's like, ah, uh, trying to just saw it off or something. And then some guy pulls a gun and he decides he's going to run across the room to stab the guy. Yeah. And uh, his buddy just <laughs> shoots him. Yeah. This was our first look at how action sequences were really going to be handled in this movie. Oh, God. And it is hard. It's like if you turned a Transformers movie on its side and just like shook it like <laughs> you can't see anything. It's the only way to hide the fact that, oh, let's see, Nick Cage would have been 49. So he's like about 50 when this movie comes out. And I mean, he's not the quickest mover. No, it it shows most of his attacks are kicks. He's a kick attack yeah. kind of guy. Kicks and knives. Kicks and knives. <laughs> the classic duo it's a real shame too having having this up against uh con air where he's doing like sweet ass roundhouse kicks and just the Fuck editing yeah. of the oh, fight yeah. sequences is so much more dynamic and this he's just he sort of younger man then. toward people yeah it's true after he fucks up uh, all the russians at the poker game we do get the classic he's in his like black tiled shower leaned against the wall back flexed as like water oh, yeah. runs down really thinking yeah was this when he decides to choke his wife in a most uncomfortable scene in the entire movie yeah oh with the most awkward kiss ever yeah. like that actress wasn't having any of it nick cage's kiss just comes in so strong he was going to like i don't know yeah mouth up the entire thing and then it just devolves to, to sad uh like ugly crying on both their parts it's just a, a bizarre choice for this scene they're going through something they're well his daughter and her stepdaughter has died because mm -hmm. that's a plot point they keep bringing up for reasons that don't matter why the fuck do we care that it's not like it's a stepmom situation yeah, it's when does peter stormare <laughs> come into this entire oh thing? at the daughter's funeral oh that's all ironsides yeah yeah my favorite quote, I'm just going to get in here right now, and it's not a quote. It's the quotes that are in my head is after the funeral when uh, he, he's like uh, Cage's old crime boss and he rolls up on his wheelchair and <laughs> he just says to him, like, can we take a walk? And in my head, I'm just like, ah. 50% of this conversation can walk. I, when he said that, I really, I just expected Peter Stormare to just like step up out of the like wheelchair. Yeah. He just makes one of his guys like push him around as a power move. Yeah, that would be sick, but no. Yeah, it's like, I don't want to use these legs. Fuck them. Yeah. I think actually he's my favorite part of this only for that line, like asking if they can take a walk when he obviously can't. Then later when he meets with the Russian and they're on that ramp in the parking garage and they get into a gunfight <laughs> and like Peter Stormare runs out of bullets and he looks over and there's a gun on the ground. And it's like, wow, gunfights really suck when people are in wheelchairs. <laughs> it's like this is the worst action ever. But I do want to see like an all wheelchair action movie now. <laughs> Philip, did, did you ever watch? Did you ever watch Crippled Masters with me? Whoa. No. What's that? It's this 
ridiculous, ridiculous martial arts movie that I found in like a DVD bin somewhere. No or, way. Yeah, look it up. It's incredible. Googling it. <laughs> so it's a, I mean, the like, the concept of this film is that there's these two guys who are martial artists, but one of them has his arms burned with acid and the other one has his oh. legs like destroyed in some accident. Yes, I do know And they this end movie. up having to team up together because one of them is strong in the arms and one of them is strong in the legs and they have to beat this guy who has like a weird turtle <laughs> shell back and there's like four sound effects for the whole movie it it fucking rules i highly recommend anyone watch crippled masters yeah i'm watching this shit <laughs> i'm just looking at some of this poster art and it is uh outstanding uh yeah it's a it's a good one is this gonna be another like eat a sandwich in your garage then we watch this film <laughs> Nick? uh for sure yeah why not well, can we can we talk a little bit about uh, O'Connell's uh, accent? Like, what the fuck is going on with his accent? Peter Stormare, he's like, he's supposed to be Irish, ostensibly, and I could not for the life of me track what where his accent was coming from. I don't know if he just... That accent is 100% Peter Stormare. I thought so. It's just him, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is just him. I mean, I guess in Fargo, he sounded a little different. They did not give him a whole lot of speaking lines, and now I understand why. Uh, it, it is interesting, because, we... like, he and Cage are pretty dynamic actors but they just have no chemistry yeah. at all well like, they have just nothing, nothing to do in this movie fair i like peter stormare yeah yeah for reasons unknown to us danny glover is kind of like in cage's corner and is always like giving him free advice of like you know don't go back to your old ways oh yeah and then like after that car chase like when they kidnap danny and he's like chasing after the other criminals uh, the one decent bit of action in this film. Yeah. Uh, although that was also super shaky. It's yeah. like, come on. It's I, not I said, like Nick Cage is physically running after the cars. Just... I mean, I feel like you heard you could hear the sarcasm in the way I said decent. <laughs> but then like he gets into like this. I don't know. There's all sorts of property damage. And then the cops finally stop him and they catch him. And it's like, no, just let him go. You got to Paul, Paulie, come on. Don't do this. So Danny gets kidnapped by the Russians. Uh, there's a whole thing where they like shoot up a uh, a meth lab that the Russians are running. We uh, we missed we missed the uh, the whole chase scene with uh, where he's chasing that guy out of the strip club and ends up that leads to one of his cagiest moments in the entire movie. So yeah, but they uh, yeah they they have to like escalate up to the next level of the rough rough and Russian mob and um. They chase this guy out of the strip club, and then Danny, uh, one of the partners, shoots this guy. And I love that Kane is like, you ju- you can't just shoot somebody out in the middle of the street. Uh, and so Nick Cage chases, and I put that heavily in quotation marks, chases this guy into like some kind of warehouse. And uh, the dude's bleeding out. They end up on the roof, and he falls down. And Cage is trying to, or uh, Paul's trying to, like, interrogate him and be like, all right, you need to tell me who killed my daughter. And he keeps being like, no, 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 don't die. And then he'll, like, beat the shit out of the guy and, like, slam his head into the ground and, like, stop dying. Yeah. Don't die. Who did it? Ah. The only, I mean, the only reason this character is even relevant is because he was the other guy in the carjacking from their youths. Yes. Yeah, he was the driver that they threw out. And then, like, the Russian mobster thought that he stole the money. So we, like, cut off some fingers. We finally meet the, like, the leader of the Russian mob who kind of looks like Chris Parnell. kind of looks like chris parnell but also just looks like a bull terrier like they have the same face (laughs) they do he just looks like a fucking sad long-faced dog and he's this weirdly (laughs) squinty eyes the yeah the leader of the russian mob is the only character i kind of get in this film that i kind of like because he's the only one who has his head on his fucking shoulders he's just like all this random violence what's it for you know back in the day people would tell you why they're killing you 
I just don't understand. They used to take you out to dinner and wine and dine you before they killed your henchmen. Times have changed. Yeah. Crime used to be cool. But yeah, they go for Kane. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he calls up Paul and he's like, you know, the Russians are here. Oh, is this the yelling scene? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, this, is, this, is when I, this is when I actually tuned back into this movie. <laughs> Paul thinks that, you know, Danny's the one who squealed. Yeah, he basically... <laughs> he kills... He accidentally kills Danny. Exactly. Well, I don't think it was an accident. I think he killed him on purpose, but just, you know, it was a crime of passion. Yeah, and then right. he's like, tries to like, like, Danny. Oh, my buddy. <laughs> sweet, Daddy, sweet, sweet Danny. Danny. Joshy. Joshy. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not doing that again. This is uh, rare for me, but I'm cracking my second buddy already. Uh, uh, oh, shit. <laughs> This movie is making you turn to alcoholism, Peter. It's uh, completely understandable. <laughs> he didn't even watch the whole thing, and he's got a problem. Oh, no, this is a rough movie. Yeah, why do you guys think I'm addicted to heroin right now? Jesus. <laughs> um, yeah, so Danny dies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Danny, uh, why don't you just fast forward us through yeah. the, uh, the end of this film? Yeah. Uh, I actually thought that the movie, like I had missed something, because it basically went from that to him confronting the teenager. Yeah, pretty much. We get the, the garage shootout scene and. Yeah, well, he goes home because he's like, oh, Tokarov, Tokarov, Tokarov. I know where there's a Tokarov. God, <laughs> this really sold the movie for me. This fucking scene where they so we find out it's the boyfriend that did it, but it was an accident because they <laughs> so basically he retells it with this stupid reenactment. And I don't know if anybody else was getting like Zoolander gasoline fight vibes from yes. this. <laughs> <laughs> it was killing me because so the kids they're like uh we were getting drunk and we wanted to ask uh what, what's his daughter's name caitlin we wanted to ask caitlin about her dad so we were like oh we knew he was a criminal and like do you have any cool stories or any like relics from back when he was a criminal to show us uh and uh you know she can't show them his his crime jacket because he's wearing it so she <laughs> he wasn't wearing the crime jacket yet he didn't take that out until she died no you're right why not just show him the crime jacket this thing, whole thing could have been avoided. Yeah, that shows you that he's doing crimes. Yeah. Fuck. No, but so she's like, okay, fine. I guess actually we have like a box full of guns upstairs. So so she takes them up to this this closet, gets the box out, and they're all like passing out guns and then like pretending to shoot each other and giggling and drinking straight out of like bottles of tequila or whatever. And then it's, of course, raining outside. They decide it's a great idea to go run around in the wet grass and like chase each other with guns. And for whatever reason, the dumb boyfriend is like facing the other way and he's getting very serious about pointing his gun. And Caitlin comes up to him and, and taps him on the shoulder and he turns around and just fucking shoots her in the head. Yeah, <laughs> it's the dumbest shit I've ever seen in a movie, but it honestly made the movie for me. I, I was not on board until that dumb as rocks uh, twist. So, yeah, I, what does he say? He's like, oh, what? Like, like guns. They're they're so scary and cool. And I just didn't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> So, like, then him and his buddy go and, like, dump the body in the crick. As uh-huh. you do. And then they're Just like... look at what she was wearing. <laughs> Classic creek outfit. And then uh, they have to go and, like, they come up with the story of the home invasion. So they, like, smash the place up and then, like, take turns, like, taking, like, slugs from, like, vodka, from a vodka handle and punching each other in the face. And this gets to my biggest issue with this film is to how terrible these cops are. Because it even says in the beginning when, like, Nick Cage comes home, it's like, what about the neighbors? Did they hear anything? No. No one heard a gunshot? It was a very rainy yeah. night, Sean. It was heavy rain. You would still hear a gunshot. <laughs> also, that bullet would have gone somewhere. It, it did. It went into her brain. There would be blood. 
heavy rain. <laughs> Just the fact that she was put in the creek, like like you said, two blocks away, and they didn't do a search immediately around the house to look. Yeah, no. I mean, it's just <laughs> Alabama cops. What are you going to do, guys? How does this thing end? Uh, yeah, basically, um, once it's all revealed, Paul decides not to kill the, the boyfriend. Uh, he shoots a couple rounds into the ground, goes back home, and prepares himself to be shot by the Russians. Uh, and there's nothing more to it. He just sits down. We get kind of... Uh, a close-up on his face and we see the russians coming in and then he dies and then there's the a very boring credit roll where they're just taking his body out on a gurney and then they make his poor wife they make that actress do yet more uh crying work <laughs> right as she's seeing his body come out of the house so yeah that's about it all right where do you guys think this falls on the venn diagram bad cage bad movie yeah. Like, this is one of the few times I really feel like he completely phoned this in. And apparently he, like, did this because he really liked the director's first movie. Neon Flesh? Yeah, but, I think that was it. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, I didn't look into film. any of it. Yeah. The like, Appeared Sexy Killer Spanish Movie? Bon Appetit? Neon Flesh again? Yeah, I think it was Neon Flesh. Wait, like, there's a movie just called Spanish Movie? Yes. <laughs> cool. No idea why this movie exists. Nick Cage, like, he says he's never phoned in a role, but this role seemed fairly phoned in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it... The role didn't offer a whole lot, for sure, for him to, you know, sink his teeth into. I read one good quote about this movie. It's from uh, Chris Coffell at uh, Film School Rejects, and he said, Rage isn't terrible, but it's pretty bland. It's like cooking, but failing to use salt. Yeah. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) Yeah, for a movie with a title that has such an intense emotion it's like yeah nick cage gets like angry and stuff in it but i don't think i ever feel like he's just overwhelmed with rage like if he had just gone completely off the deep end that'd be cool gone ham yeah Mm -hmm. oh man here's what i wanted and i didn't know until right now i wanted the movie to start out as it did but then when Nick Cage goes and gets his crime jacket, then it becomes like a horror like movie where he's a like a predator stalking everybody and just coming out insanely enraged, like some feral animal and just like tears through the Russian mob and then give us the thing from like everybody else, like from Danny Glover's perspective. Yeah. As this wild, rabid Nick Cage. I um, give this movie one mall kiosk knives out of seven. Okay. I don't know why that top number is seven. It just is. No, that's that's correct. That's the correct number of mall kiosk knives. After, if you own more than seven, then you're then that's just your personality. How many drunk teenagers do you give this movie, Philip? Oh, uh, yeah. This is a this is a solid uh, ten drunk uh, teenagers. Ten out of ten. It's uh, <laughs> yeah, it's swept up. Man, those are some dumb teenagers. I would probably say nine out of ten because we did leave one in the creek. <laughs> oh God, that's a very good point. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Do you guys have any quotes from this fucking movie? I do not. Just There's my imaginary quotes. Yeah. Philip, did you get anything? Oh hell yeah! This the best quote in the in the movie is uh, from Danny Glover. So Detective St. John, they they go in to clean up the mess after the crews like shot up the the meth house and there's a guy dying uh, dead on the floor and uh, his Danny Glover's partner's like oh who's this and he goes meet Sasha Borat rap sheet as long as my dick <laughs> yeah Danny Glover did have the best line in this film why is he in this film he pops up in the weirdest things now like he's one of those actors that I always think is dead just because I haven't seen him in anything in forever and then he just shows and up he as just a shows up. role yeah yeah Danny Glover rest in peace at least his career 
Uh, yeah, I don't think I have a quote for this either because I really didn't watch this movie, but I did like him yelling rat at uh, his buddy before he accidentally, quote unquote, kills him. Oh, yeah. yeah he did yell rat a lot. Yeah, it's not that great of a movie. I don't know if I'd go so far as to be like, it's bad. It's not. It's very a romp. It ain't middle like bland without salt is very yeah. apt. Is it just one giant gun safety PSA? That's basically my takeaway. <laughs> kind of is. Or maybe just like birth control PSA. Like, don't have stupid kids. They'll get drunk and shoot each other with your like crime guns. I thought we did that last week with mom and dad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. No, that well, was a reason to have children. So you could kill them? Yes. <laughs> uh, sounds like a big investment for something like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, why don't you just have a child and I'll come by and just. No, you can't kill, you can't kill someone else's kid. That's you have rule. no desire for it. Yeah. Boo. Just you don't own. know me. You didn't see what it was wearing. <laughs> All right, let's talk about uh, so much of this Con is Air. not okay. <laughs> Some of it's gold. I'm fucking hitting on everything. Con Air. All right, so as we discussed last week, this was my first time ever watching like the film Con Air and not just like clips from t- tuning in on TNT. Mm-hmm. <laughs> first time with the film Con Air. Very familiar with the novelization, though. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I wrote my dissertation on the novelization of Con Air. <laughs> uh, okay, well, tell us what you thought of it. Um, also, what is this movie for, for I mean, all the other people in the world who've never, who seen, never Con Air. seen Con Air? <laughs> Philip, you'd seen Con Air, right? Oh, yeah. Back in the day. Yeah, I got a lot more out of it watching it now. Um, now that we're kind of that much further away from the 90s and all the weird kind of like, you just you know, the way that they depicted, uh, you know, law enforcement and, you know, criminals in the 90s. Uh, it's yeah, it's super campy. Um, but yeah, it's, it was interesting watching now. So, yeah, this is a uh, Brockheimer film. So it starts off with a big hoorah. Uh, the army rangers you know first in last out you know we kick ass we don't leave any man behind uh nicholas cage plays cameron poe john cusack as agent vince larkin john malkovich cyrus the virus and then uh my personal favorite character actor in anything cole mamini yeah i love cole mamini <laughs> cole mamini is amazing as agent duncan malloy he's a real piece of shit um yeah. danny trejo's in this uh Ving Rhames uh, plays Nathan Diamond Dog. Dave Chappelle's pinball for a brief period. So yeah, this movie, uh, Nicolas Cage gets home uh, from the uh, from the Rangers to see his wife. They have a brief moment in the bar she works at where one of the regular rednecks chuckleheads who uh, sexually harasses his wife on a regular basis tries to sexually harass his wife while they're dancing, like throws like throws a five dollar bill in Nick Cage's face and like go get drinks for me and my buddies. Yeah. Yeah, this guy was very aggressive towards somebody who was in Army Ranger uniform. It it's, says it right on his arm. It's piss he's a ranger. It's pissant soldiers like him that uh, lost us the Vietnam War. Yeah, this guy knows a lot about like military action. And <laughs> But yeah, there's like an active like oil pump that's just shooting fire into the sky next to the bar, like in the parking lot, because that's where uh, Redneck and his buddies uh, decide to in the rain also heavy rain heavy rain tries to uh tries to murder uh cameron poe because he didn't fight with them earlier and she's like get in the car and he fights them off and then one guy pulls a knife and as the guy with the knife comes at him he like smacks his nose bone into his brain and kills him and his friends grab the knife and run away he takes a plea deal but because of his military service you know he is a dangerous weapon the laws don't apply to him the same so he gets seven to ten minimum so yeah, Kevin Poe in jail, seven, eight, no, eight years. And he's corresponding with his daughter the entire time. And he's finally going to get out, but he has to be flown on the jailbird to where he's going to be released. 
but with a bunch of other convicts. Yeah, he has to be flown back to Alabama, yeah. the jail that he was taken in through. It almost doesn't matter the logic of it either, because like they just kind of set up everything really quickly and are like, OK, this is the exposition. Here's what this movie's going to do. Uh, go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then he's on a plane with the, you know, criminals, murderers, rapists and the cream of the crop. They break out, led by Cyrus the virus and take over the plane. And, uh, that's the rest of the movie. So Nick Cage's like cellmate and buddy baby. O is diabetic. I like how you said that hyphenated instead of like with a space. Well, you said baby. baby o. o. It's hyphenated. Of, it is. Yeah. Cause they call him baby. O. baby. O. baby. O. baby. O. Hey, baby. O. So, uh, baby. O needs his insulin, but there's no, baby uh, needs his insulin. <laughs> But there's no syringe. needs his medicine. There's no syringes left on the plane because they get smashed in the breakout. I'm sure one of those convicts has something to stick him with. Ugh. Penis joke. And then the one lady guard is being harangued by Danny Trejo, Johnny 23. Johnny 23, because he's raped 23 women. Yeah. Also, how hard is it to not write rape into movies? Yeah. I imagine they made him a rapist because. Because he looks like Danny Trejo. Well, because he is Danny Trejo. That's racist. And uh, it, I'm sure it's because I'm talking about the man's face. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's got a real rapist face. Just look at him. Dude's pretty haggard looking. I mean, look at what he was wearing. It's weird how young Danny Trejo is actually like a fairly pleasant looking human being. Oh, you got to go way back, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's not 1997 Danny Trejo. Like, yeah. you got to go like. 1975 Danny Trejo. Uh, in this movie, he was reminding me a lot from uh, or, or in, of his role in From Dusk to Dawn. He just like had that kind of like creepy vampire look to yeah. him. But oh, yeah, for sure. Nick Cage has a way to get off because they need to get they're doing a transfer, which is where we're introduced to the criminal who actually has the plan and has the jet that they're going to connect to later. Sindino. But in the breakout on the plane, three convicts are killed and they are three that have to go off. So they need three white guys. So. The diabetic uh, black baby-o can't go, so Nick Cage is eventually says he'll go, but can't because they're going to gag him, so he won't be able to say anything. And he doesn't want to leave the lady cop to be raped. Because he's a good guy. Because he's a good guy. I don't think that was ever really a motivation for him. Like, no. he says it, but, like, he was about to get off the plane until he found out that he was going to be, like... Gagged. Yeah, have duct tape over. Well, his the plan mouth. to get off the plane was just as soon as he got off, he was just going to start screaming. Yeah, I think he doesn't want to leave Baby O behind because, like, once he knows that he's going to get he's the female guard serves no purpose in this film other than a rape subplot. Like that it, one could go. That could completely go, and yeah. it could just be like his buddy's going to die because he's not going to get his insulin. Yeah. Well, oh, I think what I was trying to get at earlier was like they made him a rapist because of diversity. Like you just needed a, who's racist now, motherfucker. I'm saying diversity in crimes on the plane. Yeah, but you could have him just like you could have that, Be that conversation murderer. with no, but that conversation with Cyrus, the virus where Cyrus is like, fuck you. Like, I don't I don't fuck around with rapists. Yeah. And then that could be it. Danny Trejo could have been one of the guys who died when, you know, the first part of the incursion started. Yeah. You know, it's like you didn't need him to be like a weird predator for the rest of the movie. I mean, they do have him come in at the uh, at the end when uh, when Poe comes in and actually saves her, uh, yeah. saves Bishop, the guard. Um, he just they have that like unnecessary line where it's like, don't do that to women. And it's just like, Jesus Christ, this whole thing is cringeworthy. Yeah. 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 Like, I think we already knew that. The worst line in this movie is Danny Trejo. Like, he's like, I'm going to use your whole body to make me feel Ugh. good. Ugh. 
as a pickup line, it's terrible. As a line in the movie, it served a good purpose. Every line reads like that. I love it. Like, everybody (laughs) is perfect in this film. Yeah. Except for Steve Buscemi. Oh, I love Steve Buscemi. What is his purpose? So when they do the prison transfer, they there's a late addition and Steve Buscemi, who is this crazy supposedly psychopathic um he's a serial killer serial killer who's worked his way all up and down the east coast the one crime we've heard him do is when he talks about when he wore a little girl's head as a hat across three states i don't know if it was a little girl it was a lady's yeah i think he said a woman's head as a hat which i mean we're getting into semantics (laughs) i think but no he was talking to poe and i think the point was like he was talking about like a child because poe was like it's my daughter's birthday don't talk to me yeah, maybe. And then we see him later, like, being creepy with a little girl who doesn't die. Well, he talks about how most, like, murders aren't, like, crimes of passion. They're, like, killings of necessity. Yeah. Like, oh, well, that person was too close. Narratively, there's no reason to have him in this film. No, I totally agree with you. It was weird having him just dropped in there. And then, like, what is his plot line? He gets... I mean, he gets like a redemption arc, kind of like he learned compassion from a little girl. And then now he's like gambling in Vegas at the end. Oh, <laughs> did he? I don't, I don't think, think he, he did. did. I think he's just a serial killer. Yeah. And like he wasn't going to kill the girl because the little girl's not. Well, like just well, because you're a serial killer doesn't mean you're going to kill everybody. Are we supposed to be rooting for this guy at the end or what? <laughs> I think that's the thing that was confusing for me is that it does feel like we're supposed to be rooting for Buscemi for some reason. And like, I don't know why. I don't know why you can't just let him exist in the movie and require something of him. Because this movie's long. Yeah. And meandering. And you could have saved time. And again, it doesn't. If you cut out all of his like lines, you would save two minutes tops. <laughs> You're not saving anything by cutting him out, but what? But you're he, not adding anything by having him there. He offers like insights and stuff. Like, I mean, it's not critical, but you get like just a. Di- it's again diversity in criminals. You're seeing like he's a more intelligent criminal. The way he talks about like but the that's psychology. Cyrus. Mm-hmm. No, Cyrus isn't. Cyrus is a different kind of intelligent. The kind of criminal who's gonna like. He's a mastermind. Yeah, he's a mastermind. Steve Buscemi is just like a creature. Like, I mean, he's, he's supposed to be like a Hannibal Lecter style. Like they bring him in in the mask. Yeah, they they go through all the pomp and circumstance with that. But I don't know. But it, there's no like there's no build to him doing anything. Because he that, doesn't do anything. It, it's that episode of The Simpsons where uh, the mob and uh, the Yakuza are fighting on the front lawn. And Marge's like, come inside, Homer. And Homer's like, oh, but Marge, that little guy in the, uh, in the corner hasn't done anything yet. And you know what he does? It's going to be good. <laughs> and then nothing happens. There's no payoff to his character being there. I enjoyed his character. I, I'm not sure that's clear. I'm but. not saying I didn't <laughs> yeah. enjoy his character. I'm just like, I'm befuddled by why he's there. I'm befuddled by why there's a lot of people in this movie. Yeah, what do yeah. you think about Dave Chappelle in this? Oh, I thought that was great, too. <laughs> Pinball. Pinball. Yeah. A lot of his lines were improvised, so mm-hmm. all those like racist things he says are just Dave Chappelle yep. racism. Oh god, yeah, that was that was tough to get through when he's sitting next to the Native American guy, and you're just like, oh god, '90s movies, here we go. <laughs> oh, speaking of '90s movies, the obligatory queer character. This is interesting. I did a little research into this character. Uh, she, uh, I was like, okay, this is a typical like. 90s bad stereotype of you know what it's like to be gay and then i but i noticed that actually everybody was always referring to her as a woman and yeah. nobody ever used anything but she her pronouns and they all called her like 
sis or like like sister or like they called her um lady you know lady stop right there when she's coming off the plane and so i was looking into it and it turns out that her name is uh sally let me hold on i gotta pull up the sally can't the dance exactly so sally can't dance and i was reading some different articles about this and apparently sally can't dance is uh one of like lou reed's albums his fourth album was called sally can't dance and it's supposedly referring to sally maggio who was a trans woman who was a manager at this club that you know reed and a bunch of other people went to and i think they they had a a, you know a romantic relationship or something so this is clearly like a self-conscious choice to have a like actual trans woman character in con air which just kind of Mm. like blew my mind and like you know i was reading some other commentary from people online it's like maybe you know obviously it's like 1990 seven or whatever it's not the best representation yeah. of a trans person but just the fact that the writer decided to include her in the script is kind of wild and i, I yeah i was just not expecting yeah. that at all and writing aside i mean nobody was ever derogatory or demeaning towards the character no. either. so they treated the character like a person i mean it just happened that they were very flamboyantly it's just an era of filmmaking where i just assume it none of it's done in good faith yeah i know that's exactly what i was thinking too you hate the characters you hate everything about this movie oh i loved this movie no i don't know (laughs) i can be i can love something and still be critical of it yeah it was it was i thought she was an interesting character for sure and like you notice that it's definitely a 90s film because like she's she's a woman so she also gets the other side she gets like the misogyny side of thing because like nick cage won't poe doesn't hit her he doesn't want to punch her because she's a woman so he open hand slaps her and it's like this whole fucking thing you know yeah it's, it's just a it was a trip i don't know how i forgot to mention this but john cusack's in this film that's where i was going john, john cusack wearing his like talking heads you know massive uh yeah big jacket holy fuck yeah suits they uh they really were wearing some big suits in 1997 <laughs> and his jail sandals those are like literally the sandals they gave me when i got sent to jail it's like oh oh yeah his mandals yeah it's like the first thing i saw I was like why is he wearing why is he wearing those yeah when, that was his choice he when, like as a character choice he wanted to add that in when cole Meany made the joke fun. about him like saving the rainforest and recycling his sandals that cracked me up <laughs> uh, and like we also like are sold as cole Meany just being this complete asshole like he shows up in his sports car like cuts off john cusack made convert made introduction just to like park in a handicap spot yeah with the license plate <laughs> as kicker yeah yep. like god damn it <laughs> That whole, se- that whole sequence where they connect the uh, the he connects the uh, convertible to the back of the plane was awesome. I, I love that. That was, that was a great little set piece. But there's a lot of good pieces. Yeah. No, this is a film of great set pieces with very little narrative flow in between. John Malkovich didn't have a great time in this film because they were pretty much rewriting the entire script during filming. Yeah. So he never really got a grasp on like what his character was going to look like. Mm. Which, I mean, I understand that'd be shitty having your role rewritten throughout an entire movie. Well, this also might explain why, again, Buscemi doesn't really have an arc in this film. Like his character isn't there for. God, you're so hung up on Steve Buscemi. Let's move on from Buscemi. (laughs) I'm hung up on Steve Buscemi, too. (laughs) How is this not like just I don't know why you're so concerned about the plot in an action movie. I want to critique this. I want to critique art. I went to art school. This is how I think about art. Like, I want to know the reason behind the reasons behind things. And if there's no reason behind it, it bugs me. Philip, which character did you hate the most? Oh, which character did I hate the most? Uh, I definitely the DEA agent kind of bugged me because he was just so 
just so arch you know uh and just kind of like he's he just is an asshole he's just a you know a dickhead um and i just didn't think that there was much depth beyond that um him i i could have done without uh chappelle's character probably i mean it goes without saying fucking danny treo's character is a nightmare so uh yeah i think between the three of them one thing that was nice about Chappelle's character, though, was the fact that they had to make a Dave Chappelle corpse <laughs> puppet. Yeah, why couldn't he just lay in the landing gear? Right. Like, we're going to do one shot. Just lay here. Don't breathe. Okay, we got it. That was Great. probably my favorite. One of my favorite, like, just little scenes in this film is he's caught in the landing gear, so they can't get it up, so they have to get him out. And Poe uses him as a way to get in touch with uh Cusack with Larkin so he just writes a note on his shirt of like you know uh, Marshall Larkin you know we're going to this airstrip and then just kicks him out of the plane yeah (laughs) and smashes into like old white couple's car that causes a huge backup that was good okay so we have covered the trip to Carson City the loading of unnamed passengers the well and then the one important one who is cyrus's connection out yeah right uh, the one that has narrative purpose <laughs> yeah swamp thing uh, oh and the pilot and the pilot swamp thing yeah. i do yeah. love swamp yeah. thing yeah mc gainey what was the other movie we saw him in with cage uh stolen yeah yeah right yeah yeah the better version version of rage yeah, yeah. But... you know where i recognize him from did you guys ever watch lost back in the day oh damn i thought you were gonna bring up sideways and talk about his dick <laughs> oh shit no I, I never saw sideways no he was one of the like leaders of the the other group of people that had been on the island and um that's the only thing i know him from but no now i know i can see his dick i definitely am gonna watch sideways when you see it do you it's see it like thing. front on or do you see it he sideways runs, he runs <laughs> <laughs> is it is it wafting in the wind <laughs> does it have sweet chops just like he does in this movie yes nice <laughs> we've loaded on in carson city yeah. and then we're now headed to the uh learner airfield base yes. where they're gonna swap planes the way they get the da off their back is by putting the transponder from the plane in like a you know a tours plane yeah so there's this prolonged chase of just like sightseeing pilot yeah, it brings Colmini's character out and chases him off in the opposite direction. And then there's like, you know, fun and gags as they're like in the Grand Canyon or some shit. And it's like, oh, no, these attack helicopters are going to take down Bob's scenic tours. <laughs> like he reads it so slow. It's like you're next to the airplane. Yeah, I, you can read it. I mean, I'm a pretty quick reader, but I don't need to like... <laughs> spelling out the words yeah one thing that i thought was interesting about this movie so it's a bruckheimer production and he you know usually particularly with michael bay it's very much a masturbatory exercise about military industrial complex oh yeah and this is one of the few times where they like they kind of make them seem dumb so this movie ends in las vegas Mm -hmm. um i do appreciate like there's a chasing at the end and as the fire truck goes by there's two like motorcycle cops and as they like get into action and like drive off a donut just falls into frame yeah yes <laughs> that was good cops so, love donuts the ultimate plan is virus uh, cyrus the virus is going to get on a jet to mexico or something with cindino cindino crime Sindino. family yeah um but that's a bust so they take the plane and it they wind up having to like crash land in vegas like on the strip destroying a casino that was being demolished anyway yeah the sands was scheduled to be demolished so they they were like into it (laughs) yeah uh they also like when they were filming things 
the scenes with like low flying airplanes over the strip was just freaking people out in Vegas because nobody knew what was yeah, going on. Yeah, people were calling the cops. You would have thought that they would like flyer the city a little bit. Yeah. Like, hey, there's going to be some weird low flying planes. Nick <laughs> Cage had a really weird two years in Vegas. Yeah, all the movies he's done in Vegas and New Orleans really kind of tips his hand in what his favorite cities in this country are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or possibly just where he lives. Those two that cities. Yeah. But uh, Cyrus. So after the plane crashes, Cyrus, Swamp Thing and Diamond Dog all like get away on a fire truck. And instead of just being done with all of this, because friend's dead. Yeah. Because he got him the insulin. But then he gets killed anyway. Well, no, Baby-O got shot. Baby-O got shot. Yeah. But he makes it off the plane. Um, But he's like, he's done. And they're running off. Yeah, Cyrus said he was going to, like, come for his, you know, wife and kids. But Cyrus needs to get out of the country. It's probably fine. So Nick Cage hops on a cop bike with Cusack. And then the chase ensues. At which point, once they catch up, Nick Cage kills Malkovich like five times. Yeah. It was so there good. Was like a he Tom gets on the and Jerry back. style, like cartoon, like death montage. Oh, yeah. The piece of wood. Yeah. He like spears his leg through the ladder on the ladder truck. And then like they fight. And that gets core that strength. And then like he raises, like he handcuffs Cyrus to the ladder and then raises it up and like slams him into a thing. And that throws him into like, some kind of smelting factory. No, but like, like on his way down, he so he slams yeah, the wall, oh, like he, hits, he hits power lines. Yeah, he hits power lines and then drops into like some kind of forge yeah. that's like slamming. Why the why the fuck is that there? And yeah, right. Why is the slamming factory right there? <laughs> City planners in this universe are terrible. Yeah. yeah. Um, despite what Nick thinks, I did thoroughly love this movie. That has yet to be seen. <laughs> this movie was fucking awesome from the word go. <laughs> All right, we gotta we gotta talk about we gotta talk about Cage just in general, like the, oh, the hair, amazing. the body. Oh, man. No, no, that this is where we get the great like him just like wafting his like mane in the wind, and it's so good because you get to see the mullet grow. Yeah, it's like he's arrested. He's got like cool like tight army hair. Then like when he's getting ready for court, it's a little bit longer, and he's just like slowly growing a mullet through the movie until like like when he's put in prison it's like almost at his shoulder yeah and now it just fucking also can we talk about his accent uh it's really bad love it so he's got some some absolute zingers i think one of the best ones is when he's uh uh so diamond dog tells him to go down and check the landing gear where of course he finds uh dave chappelle's characters you know dead and kind of stuck on there and he's like uh so he's been told to go down there he goes Oh, then I'll get to see some nice scenery whipping by down there. There's a beat and then <laughs> trees and stuff. <laughs> I can love that line. That's a good one. Yeah. I mean, his sarcasm is so good and dry in this movie. I love the way he just like talks back. But the accent is bad. Yeah. Oh, it's so fucking bad. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a back and forth where he's writing like his like his daughter's writing in prison. Her letter from preschool is like very well written. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, that doesn't make any fucking yeah. sense. My teacher is nice and I love my teacher. It's like, girl, you are not writing this. Yeah, no, like your she, mom wrote this in, in like her left hand. Yeah, not, not Alabama public schools. <laughs> like, yeah, the daughter says, like, you know, I like my teacher. We get to go outside for playtime, but we we hold hands when we walk out. And Nick Cage responds with, dear Casey, it was so good to read your letter. I'm glad you like your teacher. We don't exactly have a playtime like you do. 
We do go outside, though. But normally, we don't hold hands. <laughs> Which implies that sometimes they hold hands. <laughs> Listen, man, you build friendships. You know yeah. how it goes. <laughs> We're holding hands right now. Yeah, that's how we always podcast. <laughs> I thought that was just how jail gangs like exchanged members. Like they do a big Red Rover and it's like, Red Rover, Red Rover. Send Sean on over. <laughs> I don't want to join the Latin Kings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Send I've got, I've got white power bill over. Yeah, do, do, <laughs> send white power bill over. As he's running over. I mean, it's, again, it's the Latin Kings. They don't really want it. But as he's running over, like to break it, someone just pulls out a shiv. Yeah, that's how you handle beef. Yeah, right. <laughs> nice game of Red Rover in the yard. That's we how just, it goes. just play tag. Yeah. All right, Philip, run through a couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had this other one uh, that I love where he's talking to Diamond Dog again and Diamond Dog comes over and he's like, yeehaw, what's on your mind, Hillbilly? And Poe's like, oh, what was I thinking? Oh, yeah. Yeehaw. That's right. <laughs> Such an amazing character. It is. Yeah, he, just... he just wrote him beautifully. I, I, I love it. What about you, Nick? My favorite quote is like after uh, Garland has gotten on the plane controversially and... <laughs> <laughs> i know you're just staring at me john's gonna kick you in the dick uh so after cyrus has gotten on the plane and uh billy is like going off being a dickhead about something baby o and cage are sitting there and garland like just like without being asked to just psychoanalyzes billy for them and cage and baby o just kind of turn back and baby O's like what is wrong with him and Cage just says, well, my first guess would be a lot. <laughs> <laughs> this might be one of my favorite Nicolas Cage characters. Yeah, the character it's, is just top notch. I mean, and like the, the roundhouse kick, as Philip mentioned earlier, like all that kind of shit. Like he it's so fun. He like dives through a window to get away from a gas station blowing up. Yeah, like, it's yeah. this is like peak action. I mean, this I think this is the start of action cage like. This is the mm. buffest he's ever been. Well, yeah, he was scenes, working out between, between scenes, scenes. He would like pump iron just yeah. to keep that physique. And it was the same month that Face Off came out. Like yeah. they were filmed back to back. And then Face Off came out three weeks after this movie. So, Philip, do you have some some additional thoughts on this? Oh, yeah. I want to talk to you guys about um, Diamond Dog. I love the way that Diamond Dog is introduced into the movie. Um, you know how they're doing the sort of like rundown to so this is Ving Rhames character. They're doing the rundown of the different cons that are coming off of the bus and like, oh, who's so and so? Oh, he murdered his uh, his wife's family and blah, blah. So they get the diamond dog. And I don't know if they intentionally made this made him such a, a badass. I liked his introduction. I'm like, I, I, I get his I get the cut of his jib. I was in the same boat. I was like, oh, shit, this guy is based. We like him. He's like, <laughs> you know, because the whole thing is that uh, I don't know. It's what it's my students say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the youth. I love yeah, the Gen youth. Z slang. No, but the thing is, he like they're they're like yeah. So he he got locked up because he basically he blew up an NRA meeting. Uh, you know, because they're like the basest the basest representation of of like the white race. And I was like, oh hell yeah, man, good job. Yeah, yeah I, I, I was rooting for uh, Diamond Dog. I mean, he's very much just a black power response yeah. to the movie. But this is the third Nicolas Cage Ving Rhames movie that we've watched. It was Bringing Out the Dead, this and uh, Kiss of Death, Kiss where he played Death. Omar. Yeah. But uh, in an interview after Bringing Out the Dead, when asked about working with Nick Cage, he said he's a natural. He's a good natural actor. And he says, look, Ving, whenever whatever you do, I will respond to it. 
it's like a good tennis match, like Agassi versus Sampras. We hit well together. So that's nice. You yeah, know, that's cool. Hearing that they enjoyed or at least he enjoyed working with Nicolas Cage. We have yet to find someone who has something negative to say about working with Nicolas Cage. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it's it's always been pretty glowing reviews, yeah. except for oh, that one person oh. who said he was a little intense. Peggy, in the... Peggy Sue got oh, married. Oh, yeah. OK, that's true. Peggy Sue got married. She hated him. Yeah. But that, he was like, yeah, really, that's early Cage. And he was still getting his sea legs. Yeah, He was figuring and shit he out. Shows just a, the worst character to play. He did worst he performance. the worst voice that he could have come Not the worst with. character to play, but he per- he played oh, that character no, the I worst. I was thinking Zondali oh, in the painting too. scene yeah, because no, she oh, did not right. appreciate yeah. his intensity. Yeah, there was some consent stuff on that one. Yeah. But. Much like Joss Whedon, all men like working with Nick Cage. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Philip, any final thoughts on Con Air? Yeah, I, I wasn't sure when the right time to share this is, but I did look up it. I found an article with it was an interview with the director. So uh, this is from Den of Geek. I was reading an article uh, over there and it was saying that, like, this was obviously a joke. Somebody was asking Simon West about Con Air 2. And he was basically like, well, I think the logical conclusion is that we would do Con Air 2 in space. Um <laughs> <laughs> he was like it'd be a, a satire about commercial space travel there'd be like you know <laughs> a private space travel companies have like hired convicts to work on their flights and like you know he'd be taking pot shots at like musk and bezos and everything and he said this crazy thing about he was like garland so buscemi's character not to bring it back to buscemi but he was like yeah and you know garland uh, garland would be running for president if not uh, already having been elected because he has you know all the hallmarks of bouncing back and surviving which is just another like weird twist in the whole like what the fuck was going on with garland in this movie but yeah i just wanted to hear your guys thoughts about con air 2 in space i love it i want it do it <laughs> yeah poe will be He'll be on like the commercial flight, like him, like with his daughter, his grown daughter, his grown yeah. daughter. And yeah, you know, he'll see a uh, Garland there and he's like, who sur- I can't remember who survives in this film from the bad guys. Yeah. Mm. How does Diamond Dog go? Motorcycle to the face. That's yeah. right. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. Motor- he got motorcycle to the face. Swamp Thing gets ejected. Yeah, he gets tossed from, from the front of the fire engine when it crashes. That's and then right. uh, and Cyrus the virus gets killed uh, eight times. The smashing. Yeah. The smashing, yeah. the electrifying, the yeah. re-smashing. Right. Johnny died in the plane accident and then lost his arm with all of his tattoos. Oh, you know. yeah. For, that, uh, was, that was gnarly. I did like when the cops walk up and they're like, yeah, this one's dead. And they like take him away. But then the arm <laughs> still hanging stays there. in place. That was, like, that yeah, was really good. That was a good shot. I mean, we should talk about the ending when he like finally meets his daughter. Was, she was actually eight. I was going to surprised get a, when people play their actual age. Yeah, I was going to get a haircut before what she should have been 30. I, well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I expect children to be terrible on film sh- sets, uh, even when they don't have lines. I was going to get a haircut before I before I met you. But uh, something came up and it gives her this really <laughs> gross rabbit that he like got from the beginning and wipes it on his like bloody, dirty shirt. Yeah. Oh, like, uh, He's a southern boy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also. At the end, Cole Meany and um, Cusack are just buds. Let, let bygones be good bygones, man. Like, <laughs> like this this movie knows when it needs to wrap. Yeah. This movie's like, all right, we're done. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. All right, this movie knows when it needs to wrap is a bit of a misleading thing. I think it could have ended about three times in the last half hour, and it just keeps going. It does. It's a long movie. It's two hours and 15 minutes or something like mm, that. Yeah. Flew by for me. It, I, I it goes quick. I, I watched it twice like and didn't own. mind it yeah. at all. I mean, it's the most recent action film I watched. This is up there for me in terms of just the most fun. Oh, yeah. It's a fun movie for sure. Yeah. If you put it against like the quote unquote 
Nick Cage, Holy Trinity. This is definitely my favorite of the three. Yeah, which um, would be Face Off, This, and The Rock. Yes. Yeah. Also, great use of the like name of the movie in the movie. There, there were a lot of really good self-referential moments like that, like with the Cyrus doing the Welcome to Con Air. The, did you get the bit where they're all, he's talking to, Poe is talking to Baby O, and he's like, I just can't believe that they, you know, put all of these, you know, all the craziest motherfuckers in the world on a single plane, and then we somehow ended up in the middle of it, and blah, blah, blah. So I think the movie, like they knew what they were doing. I, I think it's. Oh, yeah. I, I hope that it was supposed to be this campy, even back when it came out. I just can't remember. Like we're all action movies that like campy and and kind of like satirical or self-referential. I don't know. I they, they were a little more self-serious. A lot of the movies were a little more self-serious. But this is, you know, I mean, it's it's kind of the Lethal Weapon era of thing. I don't know, if you look at like action movies that came out in this year, the tone of the movie tracks well. I mean, you've got okay. like. Speed Two, Starship Troopers, hmm. Fifth Element. Oh yeah, okay. I'm, but I'm hesitant to say is... Beverly Hills Ninja is an action movie, but for some reason Google says it is. <laughs> well, in the tough guy category, there is the Holy Trinity. Two of these might go to the end, and but all of this, all of the Holy Trinity, they're all two plus hours. Yep. Like uh, I just want a tight action film. I don't know if you want a tight action film. You should. Uh, I could recommend Rage to you. It's a riveting. <laughs> good time. Uh, did that come oh, out? Oh, we're losing connection. Yeah. <laughs> Crippled Masters, watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I will. All right, Venn diagram. Philip, what do you think? Good movie, bad movie, good cage, bad, bad, good, good performance, bad. Oh, damn, damn, dude. Good, good movie, good cage. It is entertaining. It is like eating candy or a bag of popcorn. I thoroughly enjoyed it. You don't have to think too hard about it. And Nicolas Cage has some of his best one-liners that I think I, I've seen in, in in his career. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to also sell great film, great cage. Great movie, great cage. It's a full go for me. I fucking love it. We should probably decide what's going to go forward. Uh, yeah. Uh, rock, paper, be, scissors? Sure. Tight. Uh, one, two, Slip a coin. three. Uh, Con Air. Con Air. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> Hooray. I can't wait to watch this movie again. Yeah, yeah. no, it, it's fun. That's going to be a good one. Yeah. All right, here's my la here's my closing thought on this film. There's a lot he learns a lot of skills in jail that you think like Chekhov's origami, Chekhov's Spanish is going to come into play. No, the only thing we the only payoff we get is Chekhov's rapist. Danny Sejo Trejo says he's going to do a rape in scene one, and he tries to do a rape in scene three. That's true. I'm probably going to. I don't this. I don't know yeah. if that qualifies as Chekhov's rape though, because it's like it is just declared rape. Yeah, that's just like failed intent. <laughs> yeah, right. Failure to launch. <laughs> All right, we got it. We got it. Yeah, an cut. erectile dysfunction story. <laughs> All right, uh, Peter. Peter, why don't you wrap this up? Yeah. So, just thank you, everybody, for listening. Philip, thank you for being here. Thanks for being my brother. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was a blast, guys. Please rate, review, subscribe. We are on Instagram at cage underscore match underscore pod. We are on Reddit at cage match pod. Uh, and on Patreon, if you want to support us, that's super helpful for us. And we are at Cage Match. And special thanks to our Sparkle Buddies, Josh, Sean, Josie, Rico, Matt, and Adam. And to our Cage Dancers, Ira, John, and Freeman. Thank you all for supporting us and listening to us yell about uh, Garland Green, <laughs> <laughs> Steve Buscemi's character. I'm going to get a shirt made with his face on it. It's fine. <laughs> Good, I don't hate the character. I just didn't see the point in the movie. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. I want consistency of storytelling. I want tight storytelling. I'm just going to leave it with <laughs> you yelling and Nick laughing in the background. It's great. It's perfect. Bye-bye, <laughs> uh, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs>
well, actually, you're yeah, wrong. You're wrong but, uh, and stupid, and I don't like your face. <laughs> Fuck, I'm gonna. I'm so glad you're over here because now I can just turn you down whenever I want. I can mute you. Oh yeah, that's you're true. one. Yeah, fuck it. So. You're one, you dumb fuck. <laughs> <laughs> now I learned I'm number one on this podcast. There you go. Nerds. <laughs> Why do you do anything sober? Yeah. <laughs> That's what a lame. mistake. <laughs> In a world full of all these substances, why do you do anything sober? This is the one thing I do sober is watch these films so I can fucking talk about them. The only thing I do sober is masturbate because I want to feel the full gravity of the situation on my body. <laughs> that's a lot. Well, that's definitely staying in. That's our, that's our outro yeah, staying. Right. <laughs>